Sean, hopefully our bets this week are better than Anthony Rumble Johnson's game plan. Oh, well, that's going to be really easy to pull off, actually. Like, we already did that. We already succeeded because we want to win. <laughs> so we've already beat him. We gave ourselves a chance to win, Sean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Here's, here's my rumble. You ready for a rumble bet? This is my rumble bet. I'm going to pick... Um, I'm going to pick... What's a good rumble bet on this card? Hmm. Jeremy Steven? But even he won't quit on himself. Yeah, no. All right, my... No, that's not even as bad as a rumble game plan either. I can't, okay, my my best Rumble Johnson bet for this card would be Robert Whitaker by sub. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's the Rumble bet right there. You know, man, I, I got no problems taking a loss. You take an L like a man. You know, for example, I bet on Sean Strickland plus 290 to beat Kamaru Usman, and he got his ass whooped thoroughly, and I didn't have any problems with that because... Usman was simply the better man. That's all there was to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, oh, he could have done this. He could no, no, no. Usman was just better than him. So take the loss. No, no big deal. But Rumble, it's like, bro, listen, you're the number one knockout artist in the history of the sport, and uh, you're going in there against DC. And you know, so so what are you gonna do? You know what, man? I'm gonna go out there. And I'm gonna try to out wrestle the Olympian, Sean. I'm not gonna give myself a chance yeah. to win with my one punch knockout power that I made my name off of. I'm going to try to wrestle this guy. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and the Henry Hoof story about why he wasn't in the cage and, and all that shit, that's all lies. None of it. Dude, listen, I, know, I see these people being like, oh, you, you stand by your fight or win or lose. That's the protocol. And it's like, yeah, I agree. But when you've been training all these months and your game plan is to stay, in, no, stay on the outside, keep your distance, knock this guy out, and the first thing you do is shoot for a takedown, I can't say I fault his corner, man. No, that's that's a conscious thing. That's not like I'm telling Daniel, every time you leg kick this guy, he takes you down. And then you go out for the next round, you throw some combinations, and you just you don't think about it because you want to get a good combination off and you finish the combination with a leg kick, and he does indeed grab it and take you down. Okay, I get it. it but it's, that's not what Rumble did. Rumble did the opposite of what he, his opponent, everybody watching, and everybody who's ever seen either of these two guys fight, we all know that's the wrong thing to do. Them included. Like, there's really no explanation for it. None You're not whatsoever. a guy who can switch it up on him. You're <laughs> going to confuse. You're, you can't confuse him. You pose no threat with the wrestling. So you can't snatch like a takedown and then have DC thinking about a takedown and then punch him in the face. It's not going to fucking work. He's not going to think about your takedowns. The best thing that he wants you to do is grab him. He's like, please grab me. Because so I can turn you around and take you down and joke you. You know what's Tell the me? saddest part about it? Is that... What? All of it. <laughs> he did better in the first fight. That, that's the saddest part about it, Sean. That is kind of weird. It's true, though. But you know what, man? That Chris Weidman versus Musasi fight, I'm kind of bummed it got stopped because for me, dude, I was thoroughly entertained. Like, I, it was turning into fight of the night from my perspective. Now, I want to know from your perspective, man. Was it, did it seem like a finish was materializing for Musasi or was it simply just they stopped the fight in the middle of the fight? I don't think that, like, um, I can't think you're an asshole if you go Musashi was going to finish in that fight. 
But to me, when I'm watching it, I feel like he would have pulled off that round and ran away with it in the third round and won a 29-28. I don't know about finishing, but, like, uh, you know, tagging him and then jumping on him a couple more times, he probably could have finished them. But the whole knee situation, like, that wasn't – he didn't look – like, he didn't look hurt. Uh, part of it is I guarantee that he's worried because he got kneed there, which is connected to his neck, which is connected to the same spot that fucking Noel kneed him. I get that. So he's going to try to play that up. And then he did play it up. And then he dug a little hole for himself. And by the time it was time to get out of the hole, it was too late. You know what I mean? That's his fault. It truly is, man. But you know what? That fight was so good. I mean, he got on top of Musasi. He full-mounted him. He rocked Musasi. Musasi rocked him. I mean, dude, I was just loving that fight. So I really hope that they get a chance to run it back, man, because I want to see what happens. You know what I'm saying? I want to see that fight go, you know, as long as it's supposed to go. I mean, you know, Musashi's going to be frozen as the number three or number four guy forever. He, you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, he right didn't He didn't team. put away Weidman the way people expected him to. I'll tell you that right now. No, that whole fight is going to be 100% forgotten about. Like, there's no, there's really no nothing to take out of that fight. That was a bizarre ending. We knew that, we knew that, that Chris would, would single leg him a couple times. You know what I'm saying? But that's not the fight. That's not the whole deal. It could have been. He could have single-legged them enough to win every round, really. You know what I mean? But we don't know. Man, we were on track to win a controversial split decision. So, you know, my heart's broken about that, Sean. I, I, th- I, I, yeah. I salivate at the thought of the split decision, Sean. But uh, let, let's start the show, man. Let's do this shit. Here well, we, go ahead, go ahead, go only, ahead. There's only one decision that mattered, and that was – Will Brooks's decision to watch himself on the screen, <laughs> <laughs> dude. And I mean, it's not just him, you know, getting choked out. The dude gets—he got slammed by Dubronx. He gets inside tripped, and he gets uh, yeah. double underhook slammed. The slam was pretty crazy, actually. Like I was like, "Wow, that's a little skinny ass wormy dude just picking up this big fucker and dumping him like that." That was pretty cool. Where does uh, Will Brooks no, go from he here? He had no response. <laughs> He had no response for it. He was just like, why would you, why'd you do that? And then he like, oh, I'm going to get back up. See? Oh, dude, she's fucking again. Oh, my God. He was like, all right, Will, stay calm. Look cool. Look cool, buddy. You're all right. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that's the end of the road. I mean, we said it. The dude's not even top 20 in, in the lightweight division. You know, he's a product of hype and – it got exposed now. So, I mean, you think they're going to give him another chance? Because the dude's expensive, man. W- Will Brooks uh, ain't cheap, man. Uh, one more. One more. Who do you think would be an appropriate guy to to give him uh, his papers? Because, you know, initially they were trying to match him up with Anthony Pettis, but Showtime wanted a little more time off. Give him the loser. Well, give him, like, Bobby Green. Something like that. Bobby Green might get his first win in a long time on that one. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. Oh, whatever. He's a mental. He's a you know a bust. Just mentally, that's all. I mean, mean? Bobby Green. You know, he he brushes his shoulders off and stuff like that. But even Bobby Green isn't looking at himself on the big screen. Yeah, Bobby Green doing that to you uh, doesn't work worth a shit on on the majority of people. That that kind of stuff does work on on somebody like Will Brooks, because Will Brooks will will try to do that as well. You know what I mean? Like if you do that to him, he'll totally bite. 
He'll totally bite. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to fucking bite down on his mouthpiece and pretend <laughs> that's not happening? No way, dude. No way. He'll be like, oh, that could be fancy too. All right. Now I really want to see that fight. But before we see that fight, we got to see Rashid and Bobby. And let's start the show, man. Here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. And we're going to be talking UFC on Fox 24, UFC Kansas City, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson versus Wilson Haste. And Sean, DJ is attempting to tie Anderson Silva's record for 10 straight title defenses. And, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, man, you know, because... Part of me is like, man, you know, I, I didn't think anyone was going to do this for at least 10 years. And another part of me is like, well, this fucking asshole Travis Luter missed weight. And it should be 11 title defenses for Anderson Silva. And then another part of me, Sean, is like, well, this dude DJ is getting these. He's racking up these title defenses by beating guys like Chris Carriasso and Tim Elliott. So I'm just kind of like, man, it's uh, it, it's too bad he's going to tie uh, Anderson's record. So I'm, I'm rooting for Wilson Hayes, Sean. Uh, I know. I, I, when we were DMing about that, I was like, look, I mean, those things are true. You know what I'm saying? Like, Anderson has had his, a, a string of slobs in there and a string of, you know, honestly, some shit performances against the slobs. But, you know, DJ is in this position because he's not in a deep division and he killed everybody in it. You know what I mean? Like, he, he got rid of everybody. He cleaned it out. So what we're left with is fucking Wilson Hayes. And it's not, it's not DJ's fault, but the dude just keeps on showing up and winning. You know what I mean? Like, like the things that you're saying are true. Like, I wish he would. I wish he had a foil. You know what I'm saying? I wish he had, like, a nemesis. That would be fun. I wish he'd move up. That would be fun. But if you were him, would you? No, you just stay in your division where you dominate and you fight Wilson Hayes, and I can't blame him for that. He looks good doing it. I like watching him. That's it. Well, there's some guys named Ray Borg and uh, Sergio Pettis that I think everybody needs to look out for. So, you know, it's funny because a year ago I was saying Justin Scoggins, and we saw how that turned out, Sean. You know, a couple, uh, a couple uh, dives into guillotines later, and, you know, he's off the radar. But now, you know, Ray Borg and, uh, and Sergio, those are, those are my great hope. You know what I'm saying? Well, don't forget about the little Russian fellow who just arrived. Oh yeah, good point, man. He he looked dynamic. I'll tell you that right now. He looked uh, as vicious as he does with uh, you know the people he takes out in Chechnya. Yeah, he's a monster, dude. He's a monster, and he's a smart one. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he saw that there was risk with Lausa. He saw that there was risk there. So what is he going to do? He's just going to dump him and stay on top. That's it. Okay, good. Win, win. Go ahead. That's what I like, man. He's, that's what we were talking about last week. Is this guy a veteran? Is he a veteran debuting in the UFC? Pretty much. Pretty much. So he's going to fly through this division. You know what I mean? Like, all he's got left is people that have been picked off by other people on their way up. But he'll be, uh, you know, Benavidez level very soon. And speaking of like veterans, that. how about uh, Desmond Green winning his fight all three rounds standing? Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, remember, like, like, who is Josh Emmett exactly? There you go. That's it. Just the middle-of-the-road guy when he came into it. When it came down to experience, when the other guy wasn't going to be rattled, you know, Emmett got gassed. See, the overhand alpha male right wasn't working. What was left? The wrestling wasn't going to get it done. 
So there you go. You know what I'm saying? That's not a bad fighter, and Des Green is not a great fighter. But uh, that that line, in retrospect, what are you doing? Indeed. And, dude, speaking of what are you doing, we got Aljamain Sterling. He's minus 215, and the comeback on Augusto Tanquinio Mendez is plus 165. What are you thinking, Sean? I am thinking that I have a bet on Aljamain Sterling. Um, I think that uh, I know that you like Mendez a little bit. The, you know, I don't think that Mendez won his last fight. Uh, really? I, I don't want to. Yeah. It was signs, correct? Correct. Interesting. All right. Just making sure I didn't miss one. But the, the caveat there is that I did have a bet on signs. <laughs> so it's not like I was like, this is a robbery or anything, but. Bro, Str- Strickland beat Usman, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, that wasn't close. Like, signs is at the bare minimum. That third round was – the fight was completely on the uh, on the table in the third round. That third round was close. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think he has much going on. I think his striking is rudimentary. I think he's pretty stiff still. And uh, for all the talking up of the jiu-jitsu – Okay, well, you're going to have to show me. You know what I mean? Like, you haven't shown me. Um, and Aljo, um, again, it's super questionable. It's right on the cusp. I think he probably could have won that last fight. Uh, this guy, I think he's mentally strong. He has all the physical tools. His striking did actually look a little bit better last time. And at the very minimum, he is in touch with the idea that he could be okay with kind of like a shitty outside miss-a-lot-of-kicks Phil Davis type attack until it comes time to go chest to chest and then he can do real work. That's not bad. And, and honestly, his punches look pretty good. He did uh, tag uh, with his face a couple of times. Okay, you know what I'm saying? He's getting better, but he's, he, he's not going away. And you give, uh, you give him an Augusto Mendez thing because you think he's on the way down. That's the way this fight feels, and, and that's the way this matchup feels. Like, let this guy who could be good because he's such a jiu-jitsu whiz make something off of a, of a fading name while that name is still a name. This is when you see this kind of match happen. This is not that situation. I think Aljo is, is head and shoulders above Augusto Mendez. Uh, it will always be. I think he's going to look better again this time around. Um, I think he can probably stay outside and kick, stay outside and be faster and land punches. And if they do clinch and it does go to the, to the ground, I bet you he can outstrength him and stay on top. I'm not worried about him getting subbed. So I have uh, Aljo in a parlay. I like him to win a decision that's not a late stoppage. I think I'm going with Augusto Tanquinio Mendez here, man. You know, and I, I disagree with you saying that he didn't show much in his last fight because I mean he was he was dropping Frankie signs all over the place, man. I mean I was like, damn, the dude's got power too. The thing I'm worried about is the lack of experience, you know, because he he's only six and one, but at the same time he's already been in there with the champ. And yeah, you know he did get stopped in the first round, but it it was an early stoppage. Not saying that he wouldn't have got knocked out if they would have let it continue, because I do believe Cody would have won no matter what. I'm just saying that he wasn't actually knocked out. You know he got dropped and then they stopped the fight. So dude was never actually out cold. Then he comes back against Frankie Signs, and you know Frankie's a D1 wrestler. Tankino was taking him down, man. I was like, damn, dude can take dudes down too, and. uh 
obviously the power that I mentioned. Now, I don't think the decision was controversial at all. I felt like Augusto won the first and third. And, you know, that's a 29-28. So, yeah, he won that fight. Now, in this specific matchup, the way I see it going down is that Aljamain's in love with his kicks, man. You know, he loves that distance. He loves to throw his kicks. He doesn't like a real, you know, gritty fight. He likes it when it's pretty. It's on the outside. He gets to fire off his kicks. And with, you know, some of these scrubs he's been fighting, he's able to take them down and do all kinds of crazy shit to them. But you're not about to go take down this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion and, and, you know, and, you know, full Nelson him. You know what I'm saying? When you take his back, you're, you're not, you're, that's not about to happen here. This is about to be a striking match. So in a striking match, here's my question. Can Aljo keep that distance and keep Augusto away from him? Because Augusto closes that distance, man. He's got the heavier hands here, no doubt about it. And also, you know, he, he's, he is going to eat a couple of kicks, but I think that eventually he's going to start to check those kicks. And with Aljamain, you said he's mentally uh, strong and I agree, you know, he's mentally strong compared to someone like Rose Nama Yunus, but I don't think that he's like, you know, Frankie Edgar mentally strong. And the place I'm trying to go with that is that I think Aljamain does really well when he's ahead. I don't think he does really well when he has to battle adversity. And a perfect example of that is the Brian Caraway fight. You know, uh, first round, Aljamain's on top. He's doing whatever he wants, but, Al- but Brian Caraway wouldn't go away. Brian Caraway comes on hard in the second round, and Aljo, you know what I'm saying, kind of lost his shit there. And then in the Asunsa fight, when I watched it live, I thought that Aljo ain't really improved, but, you know, I watched it this morning again, and it's like, you know, people are like, oh, his hands look so much better. <laughs> you know what I think is the deal here, Sean? I don't think that his hands necessarily look better. I think that, the you know, he threw zero hands against Brian Caraway, so now, right. he, so now yeah. he throws a little hand. So it's like, yeah, he got better, but it's like, yeah, it's like he didn't do he didn't have shit before. Now he's got his, his hands his hands became the tallest midget. You know what I mean? Like they did get a little bit better, but they're still the tallest midget. Like there's nothing going on there, honestly, in comparison to dudes who have hands. Exactly. And, but and if he's willing willing to use it, that's okay. That's pretty good. And I know that Augusto, you know, got rocked in both of his fights, but I don't really think that Aljamain's the kind of dude that's going to put him down with his hands. I think that Aljamain's the kind of guy that, you know, he's going to try his fancy sidekicks. He's going to try to run around the ring, leg kick. And when we're talking about these kicks, we're not talking about Jose Aldo leg kicks. We're not talking about Edson Barbosa leg kicks. We're talking about stalling leg kicks. We're talking about trying to avoid the fight leg kicks. So it's up to Augusto to close that distance and make it a real fight because I do believe the ground can neutralize itself. But at the same time, Sean, you know, I say that, and I say that when I think about Aljamain Sterling taking down Augusto. But if Augusto gets on top, man, I think he's got the edge on the ground, actually. So, man, it it comes down to game plans here. I totally think Augusto is capable of winning this fight either with his power or getting on top of Sterling. But I also realize there's a big possibility of him, you know, sitting back for way too long and getting outpointed, kind of yeah. like uh, Jeremy his, Stevens is going to later on. But th- that, that's what I'm worried about, his, you know? His real problem is that he only closes the distance with punches, and they're pretty predictable. There's not like, there's not like bounce, skip, use footwork, get close, take an angle, and do something when you get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, he hits I'm hard, coming though. after you, yeah, I'm just swinging and just chasing you. Like, that's, that's not hard to figure out, dude. And when you've got, like, a real agile, athletic dude in front of you, he's, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. And when, when he realizes that you do that over and over again, then he gets to do things to you when you, get, when you try to do it. So I, I, I see, uh, see Aljo being completely dominant here. 
I mean, look, if uh, Augusto Mendez tries to, you know, wade in, you know, chin up, hands down, and swing those loopy bombs against a guy like Tomas Almeida, he's going to get countered and get knocked out. But Aljamain Sterling doesn't really have that ability, man. And I feel like, you know, at first, yeah, those kicks are going to pile on. But I feel like Augusto has the ability to turn this into a brawl. And if he does turn it into a brawl, I, I feel a, a split decision coming. And you know I love my split decision, Sean. So I'm going to go uh, Tanquinho by split. And, you know, I haven't made a bet yet, but I am feeling a one-unit shot. You bet it, you pussy. I know, right? I am feeling a one-unit shot here. Because, I mean, the only reason I, I only want to go one unit and not bigger is because, like I said, I really think this is going to be one of those close split decisions. But it's not going to be like a Jotko or a Manny Sanchez split decision. It's going to be one of those where, like, you know, everyone thinks that Aljamain won. But they give it to Augusta. So we'll have to tune in and see what happens, man. But uh, I would not be happy about that. Yeah, I know, right? But, uh, yeah, I'm going with Mendez. You're going with Sterling. And, Sean, you ready to disagree further? Because we, sure. we got Tim Elliott versus Lewis Smolka. Now, real quick, Sean, do you know what the line is on Tim Elliott currently? Oh, we just talked about this. Is he minus three something? <laughs> Sean, Tim Elliott is minus 310. And the comeback on Lewis Smolka is plus 230. Now, yeah, you better get it right now because that's going to disappear. <laughs> Before you tell us your analysis on the fight, you want to tell us where you lined the fight in your head? I put it around minus 250. So I'm pleased Are you to, serious? To have, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, this guy. I'm pleased to have gotten <laughs> minus 210. Well, go ahead. Tell us what you think, man, because clearly oh, if, you're, okay. if you're talking minus yeah. 250, you think, you think Elliot's, you think this is going to be an easy contest. Kind of, yes. Uh, you know, we talked about this prior before the podcast a little bit. And, and the things that you might mention or at least mentioned then are, are true. Like, uh, Elliot does find a way to lose. Elliot, you know, can get to the to the fence but can't jump over it. Like, um, he is kind of a, a jobber. It's kind true. Of. Um, but he's a super hard-nosed one very active tons of volume amazing cardio just goes after it goes after it on the other hand smoke is a jobber it just it's true man he's talented he can get you with things um but the we know that the mental is is not there uh do we don't need to debate that right that's not there we we've seen it We've heard the things that he said going into fights about not training and being okay with it and coming out of fights like, um, worst ever, just hate himself. <laughs> uh, out loud in front of everybody, which, I, you know, I appreciate the honesty, but, you know, that's great. But you, it, it's great that you're honest about it, but the fact that you think it going in and coming out, that's bad. Um, you know, honestly, Smoker can, can lose to everyone. Uh you just have to do certain things to him. Elliot is the perfect guy to do those things to him. This is all of this is one of those matchups that's just about matchups, and that's where the that's why the number got to where it is. What you got here is a guy who wants to be a front runner, but he carries not enough danger, not enough power, not enough toughness, not enough volume, and not enough guts to ever get out in front. Every time he does something, Tim does it back. Faster, harder, and longer. Able to do it longer. And that will continue, and that will continue, and that will continue. 
So if these guys are scrambling and wrestling, and Elliot comes out on top of almost every scramble, or is on bottom for a second, scrapes out of a submission, gets on top and starts pounding them, how many of those instances need to repeat before we see Smoke's mental issues show up? Not, not a lot, I think, okay? The things that you can count on here is that Smoker, when you do enough to him, he'll kind of go away. And you can count on Elliot not ever going away. That's good enough for me. I loved minus 210 in, in this spot. Not saying that Elliot is a world beater going forward and not saying Smoker is getting caught going forward. I'm just saying this matchup in particular, horrible for Smoker because Elliot is just too goddamn hard-nosed, just too rough, man. Too rough, too much volume, too much try. You know what I'm saying? Too much try. Smoka, just not enough try against anyone. So, Elliot, minus 210 in a parlay. Somebody else. Oh, yeah. Is that all you got, Sean? That's basically it, yes. It's guts, guts and nuts versus not a lot. <laughs> well, a lot of you guys that have been listening to Half the Battle over the years know that, you know, I've had Lewis Smolka on the show back when he had 200 followers on, on Twitter. Now he's got 19,000, right? So I've been interviewing this kid for a while, and I can tell you firsthand that, you know, I don't want to call him a head case or anything like that, but the dude it's definitely mental with him, I'll tell you that. And, you know, the best interview we've ever had was this week. And you know why it was the best we've ever had, Sean? Because we didn't talk about fighting. Because I finally learned my lesson not to talk to this dude about fighting. He doesn't like talking about fighting. But uh, he was actually pretty fun. He was actually pretty fucking cool when I talked to him about other shit. But look, man, here's the thing about the mental issues. You know, going into the Brandon Moreno fight, you know, Smolka was saying shit like, I should be fighting Demetrius Johnson. You know, he completely overlooked him. And he got caught with the nastiest high elbow guillotine I've ever seen in my life, man. I mean... I've never seen a guillotine that nasty before. Even even John Jones, even James Vick, you know, even those guys. Like that Brandon Moreno one's got a special place, man. That was just absolutely beautiful. And it is what it is. And then the next fight against Ray Borg, you know, Borg comes in five pounds overweight and, you know, Lewis Smolka gets sick during his weight cut and he just had an awful performance. That wasn't the Lewis Smolka we know. The Lewis Smolka that I know that when he shows up, this is one of the toughest dudes to scramble with in the entire UFC flyweight division. I mean, I was at his UFC debut. He goes in there against a D1 wrestler, and, I mean, he finishes the fight back-mounting that D1 wrestler and basically pounding him out, man. And, you know, with a guy like Tim Elliott, yeah, I understand that, you know, he had a couple moments of success against uh, against Demetrius, so everyone, you know, is all over his dick now. But the, the reality is that this guy's 2-5 and five in the UFC, and I, I mean, I get he's excited. Yeah, okay, he does cartwheels. Awesome, like, cool. But he fucking loses fights. And that's all I give a shit about. I don't care how exciting he is as a fan. Yeah, I love watching Tim Elliott. But as a betting man, I mean, how many times is this guy going to let me down? I mean, against Makovsky, who I believe is an absolute jobber. I, I think Makovsky's one of the worst guys in the flyweight division. And, no, you know, Makovsky's great. I think Makovsky sucks. And Tim Elliott goes out there, you know, I mean, that was just... I was embarrassed that I bet on him in that fight. And, and, you know, I'm not letting the past dictate the future. I'm just saying that history repeats itself. This guy finds a way to lose fights. And what I think is going to happen here is that, you know, he's going to come out doing his wild shit that he does, throw a big combo, and finish it off with a kick, go into a takedown. And I think as soon as the scrambles begin, 
people are going to be reminded of how heavy on top Lewis Smolka is, how scrambly he is. And I don't think that he's not tough like you were saying. I think that his mental issues are, are one of those things where, like, when he loses, he's like, man, I'm a fucking loser. Man, this and that. But the, I've never seen the dude quit in a fight before. That, that That's the difference here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never seen him... You know, I've never seen an Anthony Rumble Johnson with, with Lewis Smoke. I've never seen, you know, things aren't going his way. All right, he's going to turn over, give you his back, let him ch let, let you choke him out. Like, even in that Ray Borg fight where the dude's sick and, you know, he looks awful. I mean, he didn't quit, man. He's got heart. He's got the Hawaiian no, spirit. The, the, the scrambles get really slow. You know what I'm saying? The scrambles get... It, it, remember we talked about this when, he, when we did the Borg fight? He's got this sellout offense where he's going to do this He's gonna go for this thing, and if he does not get, if he gets this thing, you're a deep shit. If he does not get this thing, he's gonna leave himself in a terrible position. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, and towards yeah. the end of the, towards the end of the the Borg fight, it's like, just looking like he was not willing to sell out for it anymore because he sold out many times, didn't get it, and 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 was losing because of it. You know I, th yeah, it's, I, it's I think Borg is. Thing. Borg is just special, man. I mean, Borg, you, you, one does not simply outscramble Ray Borg. You know, that's all there is to it, man. Borg is another animal. Borg was able to neutralize him. It is what it is, man. But I don't think Tim Elliott is that guy at all, dude. Like, And also, let's talk about how Lewis Malka puts himself in bad positions because that's 100% true. But that's one of the things that made his style what it is, man, is that He's known for, you know, he starts off the fight on bottom side control, but then he finds his way on your back. You know what I mean? Like, he puts himself in bad positions so he can scramble his way on top. And I know Tim Elliott's going to leave that opening to get on top of him. And whether we pound him out, whether we choke him out, whether we 29-28 him, I know Tim, Tim Elliott's going to give us that, that opening because Ray Borg's too disciplined for that. Ray Borg's too good for that. Tim Elliott ain't too good for that, man. Tim, Tim Elliott's a risk taker, you know what I'm saying? But he's not a smart well, risk taker. Keep in mind, he took those risks and and gave up those spots versus the best pound for pound fighter in the world and was was okay. Well, I mean, I don't know what you mean by it was okay. He he lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you oh, if you okay. bet on him, yeah. there you fucking lost. Like, so yeah, I'm I'm sure he'll take those risks here too. But I still think he's gonna lose. Like, well, uh, Mighty Mouse was not able to get him. Is my point. Yeah, but you know what, man. I, I, I don't put much stock into that. I'll tell you why. Because how many times have I bet Mighty Mouse inside the distance and gotten burnt? So many. Like, Mighty Mouse, so, some dudes he'll finish. Some dudes he'll just go the distance with. And it happened to be that Tim Elliott was one of those guys that he went the distance with. I mean, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, But uh, we're going to talk about DJ here in a bit with, with Hayes. And I know everyone's eyeing that inside the distance and the under. Be very careful because, you know, he doesn't always finish people. You know what I'm saying, man? But anyways, back to this. Look. I believe that Lewis is going to get the better of the scrambles. You don't, and, and that's fine. So we're going to have to find out. But look, plus 230, man, for a fight that I line minus 110 apiece. And the only reason it's where it's at is because, oh, Tim had two seconds of success against the GOAT, you know, who's not really the GOAT. But, you know, he had two seconds of success against Demetrius, and, and Lewis is coming off two really bad losses. But Lewis is bringing his A game to this fight, at least I think and at least I hope. I mean, listening to his interviews and listening to the fact that I interviewed him, Look, I knew when his head wasn't in the game for the last couple fights. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, he was sounding too cocky, you know, before the Moreno fight. And then before the Borg fight, he was, sounded, he was sounding too defeated. He sounds refreshed for this one, man. He sounds like, look, man, I know that I got to fucking bring my A game to this fight. And I think he's going to do that. So, 
I took the one and a half unit shot at plus two thirty, Sean. Yeah, I can't. I yeah. Usually, like when we're gonna pick a fight to like really argue about, like got to be something where you think one thing's completely clear and I think something else is completely clear, and it's like. I think the guys need to be pretty high level or pretty like uh, steady for that to happen. So that isn't this, but but no, yeah, you like, you understand where I'm coming coach. from. Yeah, absolutely. Like I see everything you're talking about. Absolutely, it's not like I don't think that Lewis Smoke can scramble. He's obviously excellent at it. You know what I mean? It's just he's gonna have to do it over and over and over and over and over, and that's that's why I don't think he can. See, we agree that he's going to have to do it over and over, but where we disagree is that I think he'll be fine. You don't, but the thing is, once again, this this ain't fucking Ray Borg we're, we're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? That, that's why I have a little bit of confidence. I mean, uh, Tim Elliott's the kind of guy that also gives up positions, but unlike Lewis Smolka, you know, Lewis, even though he did drop his last two fights, historically speaking, he gives up positions and finds a way to win. And historically speaking, Tim Elliott gives up positions and finds a way to lose. I mean, Tim Elliott, look, I hate to be like, oh, his only wins are against these guys, but look, man, his only fucking wins in the UFC are against the green-haired guy and Jared Papazian. You, you understand what I'm saying here? And, and, the green-haired guy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Lewis Smolka, I mean, look, he beat Ben Wen. Ben 10's no slouch. Ben 10 comes to fight. Ben 10 is experienced, and he beat the absolute shit out of that guy. So I was impressed with yeah, that, man. Yeah, he did. And yeah. uh, he needs this win really fucking badly. So plus 230, uh, you got 1.5 of my money, Sean. That'll work. But, Sean, next up, we got Rashid Magomedov, Rashid Goretz. He's minus 335, and the comeback on Bobby Green is plus 245. Now, Sean, I know... We're huge fans of Rashid Magomedov, but I'm, I'm actually a fan of Bobby Green, too. How do you see this one going down? I like Bobby Green, too. And you know what? I didn't used to like Bobby Green. I shit on Bobby Green on Twitter, and he, like, answered it like a normal person and was like, why do you think this? And I was like, I think this because of this. And he was like, I can understand how you think that. That really happened? In my experience, this is what happens when that <laughs> happens. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, cool. Thanks. And he was like, all right, cool, man. I was like, wow, that was that was very on on Bobby Green as far as what we see on embedded and, and fight interviews. You know what I mean? Like he fucking turned me around. So good job, Bobby Green. He's actually and, a cool uh, guy. <laughs> yeah, he seems he seems awesome, honestly. And uh, on top of that, um, I always you know fucking especially if you listen to this show or follow me on Twitter, you know. If you throw straight punches and you have a boxing style, I probably like you. It's just a fucking thing that, it, that happens. Uh, and he's always had that, and I like that. I, I like when he, when he comes forward and, and throws straight punches. Um, the thing that we actually argued about on Twitter was actually what I think his problem is, is that he says, guys run from me, that's why my fights are born. <laughs> I say, you track the guy down, you move forward, you cut off the cage and you corner him and then you wait to counter right there. You know what I'm saying? Like you did all the work to get yourself in place to, de- to, to deliver your best weapon. You did all that. You got there. And then when you got there, you decided to wait for them to swing at you and for you to counter. And, and it's like, if you want to wait to counter, then you don't necessarily just have to, 
pressure the whole time either. Like, it's, it's very weird to be like, I pressure the guys the whole time and they run. Well, in truth, you pressure the guy the whole time and then when you get him there, you, you freeze. What Dustin Poirier you know sure as hell ran, right? Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he, it's like he's so, he's so used to, I'm going to get you and you don't want to exchange hands with me that when the guy stops and exchanges, he's like, whoops. You know what I mean? So uh, you're going to get, in this case, you're going to get, let's throw the wrestling out the window because it's, it's not happening. I don't, there might be some case time, but this is basically a striking match. Uh, Rashid can shut down whatever Bobby Green does, and Rashid probably won't go for his own often enough to make it a factor. Uh, what Bobby Green is going to get is a really frustrating, this guy ran from me fight. But in reality, he's not going to run from you. What he's going to wait for you to do is advance, get in position where he can hit you, then hit you, then make you reset, and while you're resetting, he's leaving. You know what I'm saying? And after, say, seven or eight minutes of that, uh, he gets to really pick his shots because you're getting all weirded out and desperate and doing stupid shit, and then he gets to hit you with things. And then from that point on, he's probably going to be advancing. On top of that, you don't want confident Rashid Magomedov uh, with cardio, not in elevation, uh, wink, wink, uh, coming after you, knowing he can land on you, knowing that you're okay with exchanging with him. He's too sharp. He's too hard. Uh, you know, and it's, and it's not just punches, it's kicks too. Uh, this is a truly talented guy, a special guy. Uh, you know, it's a tough division and he, he doesn't have the best of like, you know, forced gear. The urgency sometimes is not there. We did kind of see his cardio kind of take a shit. We, you know, you can't like that, but overall, especially offensively, especially the things that he needs in this fight in particular. Uh, he's got it in spades, and he's got much more of it than Bobby Green does. Uh, Bobby Green just got completely separated from his senses, and Rashid Magomedov got decision. Uh, this is a good matchup for Rashid Magomedov. Uh, I like him to uh, get a wide decision, probably a 30-27, honestly, uh, just on striking and, and lighting Bobby Green up. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Bobby Green will have his moments, but it's not going to be enough to rattle this fucking guy. He's made a medal. Uh, two units on Rashid and Tim Elliott, that's plus 103. Man, it's too bad you had to put him in there with Tim because, you know, I, I, Rashid's going to go out there and win, man. You could have picked a better leg, but it's all good. Oh. Well, one of us is going to have to learn, but look, Rashid Magomedov, <laughs> man, I mean, obviously, like you said, calm, cold calculated stone face killer i mean how can you not love this guy well actually i understand how you can't love this guy you know because some people don't really understand what they're watching but if you understand what rashid's doing out there you see a guy that's thinking you see a guy that's calculated you see a guy that studies you and picks his shots i mean sean you always talk about how he noticed that that body kick against gilbert burns and then he was like oh you're not gonna block that shit i'm about to fire that a couple times you know it, it's just Stuff like that, it makes me smile, man. You know, I, I love strikers like that. And with Bobby Green, I really like his style too, man. I like the fact that, you know, he's cocky. He's got swag and he talks shit in there. I, I love that kind of stuff. But the thing here is, man, look, if Bobby was in there against Will Brooks, okay, Will Brooks would totally be affected by the shit talking. But Rashid Magomedov isn't even going to bat an eye. Rashid's not even... Yeah, honest, Daniel, real quick, like, can you think of anybody worse to shit talk than Rashid? 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that would be like you're shit talking like a robot. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't even understand why you're doing it. He's just like, this man keeps talking. I keep punching him. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. not going to understand what you're doing. It's one of those There's things. No personal issue. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not feeling any of those Bobby Green things in there. He's he's trying to take you apart like a technician. Uh there's no one worse to shit talk. I'm sorry, continue. Oh, it's all good. I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, look, Bobby Green, when he's fighting, he's looking into your eyes. You know what I mean? He wants to, like, get you off your game. He wants to fuck with you. Whereas Rashid, he ain't looking at your facial expression. He's looking He's looking through you. He's staring at your chest. He doesn't give a shit what your facial expression is. He just wants to find what he does well and go out there and exploit you. Now, look, Bobby Green, back in the day, the reason his style worked so well is because, man, the dude had some hand speed and he was dynamic, but you know speed's the first thing to go for an aging competitor. And, you know, you, you go back and you watch Bobby Green against Pat Healy and, you know, those first two rounds he put on a clinic against Pat Healy, but there's such a speed difference in that fight and he doesn't have that speed difference in this fight against Rashid. So I don't feel like those techniques and those strategies and, you know, the shit talking. I don't feel like that's going to work here, man. I feel like, if anything, it's going to work against him because he he will have his hands down, which, you know, if you have your hands down against a dude who throws, uh, you know, straight, accurate shots, it's not going to go too well. And not only that, but Rashid is the faster guy. And that's that's a problem with Bobby's style. You know, if you're faster than him, that's going to fuck with him hard, man. you got to be slower than him for him to get off, you know, with, uh, with that cocky-ass style that he brings to the table, man. So... I'm with you when you say that Rashid Magomedov's going to win a decision here. And not only that, man, I love Rashid Magomedov's last fight against Benny. I know a lot of people hated that fight. They thought it was boring. They thought it was ugly. In a sense, it was ugly. You know, it was an elevation. They both got tired. But, man, that fight, for me, was really fascinating, man. The clinch exchanges and the fact that they had to battle through the Mexico City elevation and both guys still wanted it. Both guys still wanted the win. Dude, I fucking love fights like that. But this is going to be a completely different kind of fight, man, because you know Bobby's going to walk forward, hands down, he's going to brush his shoulders, act like shit ain't happening, but shit's going to keep on happening, and there's eventually going to be a point where he can't act like nothing's happening anymore. You know what I'm saying, dude? You know how Will Brooks looks up at the screen? Bobby <laughs> Bobby Green brushes his shoulders and is like, nah, dude, nah, pussy, is that all you got? You know, but you don't you don't do that stuff against Rashid. It's not going to work, so... Yeah, man, I'm with you, Rashid, by a wide, unanimous decision. And Sean, Agreed. we've been waiting for this guy's debut for a while. You know, we've been talking a lot. We got Tom Duquenois. He's minus 420, and the comeback on Patrick Williams is plus 300. Now, it's kind of funny, man, because, look, people, the way people talk about this kid, Tom Duquenois, I mean, they're saying shit like, this guy's a future world champion. They're saying today he could beat Tomas Almeida. Like, they're, they're, they're hyping him up like that. Now, for me personally... I wouldn't go that far. However, the kid is really good. You, you can't deny that. The kid is special for sure. And that not only just in his techniques and his athletic ability, but, I mean, there's pictures of the dude doing a full split. You know what I'm fucking saying? Like, you don't just do a full split unless you're you're serious with that shit. Like, you recall uh, those pictures of Crow Cop, man, where he's doing that full split? Like, Tom Duquenois is one of those guys. And when you talk about Patrick Williams, man, I mean... It's kind of funny because last time I broke down one of his fights, you know, 10 years ago when he fought Alejandro Perez, I was like, man, you know, Patrick Williams, you know, no, no disrespect, but he probably is the worst guy on the UFC roster. And then he goes out there, he uppercuts Alejandro Perez and chokes him out in 20 seconds. So 
I kind of ate my words there, man. But, I, I mean, I stick to what I said, man. I really do think he is one of the worst fighters on the UFC roster. I mean, you watch his fight with Chris Beal, and it's the ugliest takedown attempts you've ever seen in your life, the ugliest striking you've ever seen, and obviously, you, you know the result. He got, he got KO'd stiff. So, one thing we can agree on is that something crazy is going to happen here. You know what I'm saying? Because, look, both of Pat Williams' fights were, were crazy endings, so I, I don't see why this would be any different. The only thing is I see Tom Duquenois, you know, getting off on his strikes and putting this kid away. I mean, the thing I like about this kid, Duquenois, is, you know, his awareness in the pocket. Good head movement, mixes it up to the body, does all the things I like. But you got to get that UFC experience, man. You don't just come in here and, you know, win the title on your first fight. You know what I'm saying? you got to pay your dues. And paying your dues starts with beating a guy like Patrick Williams. And, man, if Tom Duquenois goes out there and lays an egg, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Because the hype this kid has is through the roof. However, I don't think that'll be the case. I think he's going to go out there. He's going to pick his shots. He's going to stuff some takedowns. And I think he's going to brutally put away Patrick Williams. So, yeah, I got the Frenchman. I got Tom Duquenois for the victory. I've got Duquenois as well, and I've, I've got him in a parlay somebody later in the card um for anybody who's listening to this but you don't want to go look at every fight when everybody is on somebody's dick and we don't really know too much about them even though he's this guy has fought actual couple names but like that time he got finished by makwan americani let's not talk about that that's that's basically it yeah um i go hunting for this guy and i really want to see that he sucks um because I don't, I don't like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't like everybody just buying all this stock when we don't really know anything. And uh, I tried hard to think that he sucks, and he doesn't suck. He's he is good, and he's well rounded, and he does all kinds of fun things. Um, he doesn't really seem to have any major deficiencies. Even even the things that seem to have given problems in in the Americani fight, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. Like, it was, you know, a pretty crazy exchange, and Macklin Americani is good at those kinds of things, and he got caught. Okay. And he was just I, a kid back nice. then, too, so we'll give him a pass. Right. And, it, yeah, it's a while ago. Duke and Wah, where we still don't know things, um, seems to be the real deal. The hype seems to be well-founded in this case. I mean, we're going to find out. And when I'm looking at this fight, what it does, like, instantly the Eamon Zahabi fight pops right in my head. This is the same deal. This is like an opportunity. You're not even going to, you're not, not even going to put this guy up against somebody where if he lays an egg, he's going to lose. It's like you're putting him up against somebody where he's got even a little bit of room to lay an egg. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, Patrick Williams is indeed bottom of the barrel. Patrick Williams is going to be dangerous with big punches for a couple minutes. And then everything gets really sloppy and really desperate looking. And then sooner, soon after that, the cardio is completely out the fucking window. And who knows what he's been doing since last time he fought. So this is an opportunity to make Duke and Wah live up to what we expect, look good, get a big win by knockout, you know, no, no doubt, like either putting this guy directly to sleep or, or knocking him out with something vicious. And he's got room in this fight to have jitters, shake, lose the first round, shake the jitters off halfway through the second and still win the goddamn fight. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, this is as big of a setup fight as that Eamon Zahabi fight was. And, you know, the, the scary part is that Eamon Zahabi fight was a little scary at places, wasn't it? You know what I'm saying? A couple times you're like, hey, dude, why am I getting punched in the face so much? But whatever, that worked out fine. Um, Dukumwa is better than Eamon Zahabi. Uh, he's got more experience than Eamon Zahabi. He's going to be fine here. And if he's the kind of guy who comes in rock solid and doesn't feel the UFC jitters as much and has his shit together and isn't so worried, uh, he's probably going to look really fucking good here. He's probably going to get a stoppage. So uh, he is in the danger zone for about the first four minutes. After that, it's, it's, his, it's his fight. Uh, he's got this. So, uh, yeah, I like Dukuma. I think it was minus 385 when I put this. Alexander Volkov is minus 145, and Roy Big Country Nelson is plus 105. Now, Sean, a couple years ago, I would have taken Roy Nelson here because I do feel like he was a bit quicker back then, you know, especially when he sets up that overhand right and he takes out these tall guys similar to Alexander Volkov. And also, you recall a fight between Roy Nelson and Josh Barnett, and Roy Nelson actually had success taking down Josh Barnett multiple times throughout that fight. So, you know, he does have a good takedown offense now the thing with Volkov is look the guy's six foot seven and obviously on the feet he's dangerous man and in a spot like this we know the game plan to beat a guy like Roy Nelson you know what I'm saying you pick him apart for three rounds I mean it's been documented throughout history that's how you beat Roy Nelson you pick this guy apart so Volkov has to do that the issue with Volkov is man his takedown defense and more importantly Sean his get-up game is quite bad you know what i'm saying you watch his bellator fights and it's like the dude couldn't get up you know for, against czech congo and against you know any of these scrubs you know what i mean so coming into the ufc i was like man that ain't gonna work well when you're ta- when you're taking on you know big uh, you know big dick johnson like he did but man he fucking went out there and won that fight i know it was a bit controversial but uh, I, what i'm trying to say sean is that you know if he hadn't made improvements, he would have got laid on for three straight rounds. So the fact that, you know, there were only little moments here and there where he got laid on, that tells me that the kid's making improvements. And I say the kid, and he is just a kid. You know, he's a, he, I believe he's in his late 20s. So he is improved. Let me look that up before someone fucking corrects me. <laughs> Hold on a second. Because I, I, I might be dead wrong on that. But I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure the kid's like fucking 28 or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't he one of the younger? Hold on, I'm almost there. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's 27 matter of fact i don't even know why i think that yeah he's 28 i'm right on point so look the kid's 28 years old he's just a kid you know for heavyweight standards that is just a kid because apparently these heavyweights don't start going into their prime until their late 30s so the fact that he wasn't laid on for three straight rounds in his ufc debut shows me that he is making big improvements now against roy nelson we're catching roy at a time where roy has slowed down to the point where he ain't even putting away Bigfoot in the first round. You, you understand what I'm saying, Sean? Like, he slowed down that much. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I got Volkov by decision here, man. And, and I think he's going to pick him apart. I, you know, minus 145, I'm not crazy about it. It's a heavyweight fight. If it was dog money, I'd take the shot. But it is not. He is the rightful favorite, and I got him winning a decision here. Um, You know, Alexander Volkov would kick the shit out of me. Uh, But, you know... Unfortunately, I'm just here to break down his fights versus other guys who would also kick the shit out of me. And in this situation, you know, Alexander Volkov is weak. He exudes weak to me. Um, I don't like, I, I don't think he's good at all. I think he has obvious things that he can do because he's a giant 
and he, he is technically his Muay Thai game is is pretty decent, and he understands that he can stay far away uh, and and hit you with things. Uh, but you know what? When you get to him and put your chest on him, he just stops doing that. That game plan kind of flies out the window. Dude absolutely hates getting hit. You could just tell by watching any fight that he's ever been in. Uh, his takedown defense is terrible. Uh, his his get-up game is maybe even worse. Um, but, you know, more than that, like I said, it's it's just that he exudes weak to me. He's frail. You know what I'm saying? He's not even, he's like... He doesn't get up from takedowns. Yeah, I get it. He's he's thinner than, than Stefan Struven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean, I don't know about all that, but yeah, I get your point. <laughs> he probably is, though. Like, really look at it. He probably is thinner than Stefan Struve. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, he's just frail and weak, man. And, and you know, Nelson can probably chase him down fight through whatever bullshit that he throws at him because there's no power on all, just about any of it. The knees can be scary. And in this situation, this fight in particular, the knees are scary because you know that Roy Nelson's going to be hunched over and looking down and that uh, Volkov can get all the leverage on the world on a knee, push his head down, and make him fucking eat it. We've seen him take the most quality knees the heavyweight division has to offer flush as fuck on his face, can get no better. We've seen him take those and be fine. You know what I mean? Now, eventually, ask Mark Hunt, that's going to go out the window. Could this be the time that he eats a gigantic knee and falls asleep? Okay, maybe. But probably he just walks through it all. He walks through it all and then throws the big overhand right. Does the overhand right land? Maybe. If it does, that's the end. If it doesn't, he just kind of just fat blobs himself on top of Alexander Volkov, pushes him into the cage, then drags both his fucking legs out and gets his big belly and plops it on him, and then Alexander Volkov doesn't get up for the rest of the round. You know what I mean? So um, what I'm looking for is uh, a plus 130 zone for Roy Nelson inside the distance. (laughs) That ain't happening. I'm undecided whether that's an actual play because of all the scary fights in a row where, where Roy Nelson seems to want takedowns instead of landing gigantic punches. I'm a little confused by that. But if he tries to do that again, he's going to be successful with it. And then he'll continue to do it. And can he stop Volkov from top? I don't know. Like, that's, that's what makes it risky. So I'll look at the number on that top when it comes out. But, uh, yeah, if I had to bet it'd be Nelson inside the distance and the pick is definitely Nelson. Because Volkov is weak. Weak, weak, weak. Do you agree that Roy Nelson has slowed down considerably? Yeah, and he didn't even have much time to, much room to slow down. You know what I'm saying? He was already at the bottom of the old speed spectrum to begin with. You know what I'm saying? He's about off the fucking chart now. I noticed it in the Jared Roshall fight. I mean, that was just, that was sad, bro. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And then also, the fact that he knocked out Bigfoot in the second round, that tells me so much because you know a prime Roy Nelson knocks that dude out in the first 30 seconds. So, you know, to some people that might not mean shit that it took him to the second round, but to me it means a lot, man, because like I said, prime Roy Nelson is knocking out Bigfoot in the first minute of the fight, man. So the fact that it took him, the under one and a half didn't cash on. You you know what I'm saying here, man? Like he slowed down that much. But anyways, I wish you luck. 
And you're going to need luck here, my friend, because we got Jeremy Stevens. He's minus 195, and the comeback on Renato Moicano Carnero is plus 155. Now, Sean, I'm taking the underdog here. Aren't you surprised, man? I'm going with I Renato Moicano. He's confused by it, but you know what? It's not confusing to me because history repeats itself, and Jeremy Stevens, as much as I enjoy watching him fight, he's a 500 fighter for a reason. And it's because, look, the, the book's been written on him for years. We all know how you beat this guy. The way you beat this guy is you out-volume him. I mean, it's no secret how to beat him. And what does Hinata Moicano actually do really well? Well, he fights tall really well, and he uses his volume really well and man i've been very impressed with this kid in the ufc i know you know he fought a total scrub in his debut but he took that total scrub out how you're supposed to take a total scrub out and then the next fight i mean that kid too kugov i mean i know not too many people know who he is but i know who he is and that kid's no slouch man that's a explosive russian right there and uh Hinato went out there and straight up beat him man and i was very impressed with the combinations you know obviously he establishes his jab. His guard is high up. I mean, he, he'll kick you in the body hard as hell, but the kicks always follow the punches. You know what I'm saying? He throws in combination. And with a guy like Jeremy Stevens, you know, it's you bet on him, you're hoping that he lands that one big shot. And sometimes he will land that one big shot, but oftentimes when he knocks dudes out, he's usually, you know, losing the fight and then he comes back and wins. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Hey, man, winning a fight, you take a win by at all costs, right? But... I think that Moicano is going to get such a lead on the scorecards that it's going to come down to that third round where, you know, you're like, man, Jeremy, you have to land that one big bomb. That same bomb he landed on Marcus Davis. That same bomb that he landed on Dennis Bermudez. You know, whether it's the overhand right that he landed on Marcus Davis or the flying knee that he landed on Dennis Bermudez, it's going to come down to that kind of situation because he's going to get very far behind on the scorecards here. He's going to get outpointed to the point where people are like, man, this kid, Hanato Moicano, is pretty fucking good. Who's this guy? I've never heard of him. Why Why is he only plus 155? Why isn't he plus 205? The reason why is because this kid's no slouch, and he's got the style to beat Jeremy Stevens. And like I already said, I, I'm just repeating myself here. The book's been written on Stevens. We know how to beat this guy. You outvolume him. That's all there is to it, man. It's pretty simple to me. And I know you're going to talk about... Oh, uh, you know, what about the wrestling? What fucking wrestling? I mean, since when does Jeremy wrestle dudes? I know against Elkins, he stuffed the takedowns. But look, when you're fighting a guy like Elkins, and, you know, if you're Jeremy Stevens, that's just a style matchup thing. You, you stuff the takedowns and you land the harder shots because you're Jeremy Stevens. But this isn't that fight. Hinato's not about to be shooting for takedowns and trying to clinch him. He's about to keep his distance, pop, pop, circle, circle. And uh, he's going to pick apart Jeremy Stevens and win a unanimous decision. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put two units on it. All right. Well, I mean, here, I'm going to shit on you, but don't. But let me finish because I'm going to reverse shit on you afterwards, okay? So the problem with Moicano is that you think that he is what you just said he is, but we don't know that he is that because the dude has one win against a legit person who's kind of semi-legit, and he squeaked it. So what we really know about this guy is nothing. Now, that's the shitting on you part. The reverse shitting on you part is part of this game is thinking that you see something, exploring it, believing that you see it, and then betting on it. So I can't shit on you for saying, I think this guy can do this, 
and then I'm going to put money on it that he can do that. Of course, that's what you do. You know what I'm saying? So if he does that, good for you. But, like, those things have not been shown yet. Um, he might be able to do that to some people. But now, how many steps up in competition is he taking in this one fight? Like, 80? You know what I mean? Like, it's not even – he hasn't fought anyone even close. Not even close. Jeremy Stevens has seen everything. Everything. You know what I'm saying? And and Jeremy Stevens has had problems in the past, and there is a game plan to beat him. And and if you're good enough, that same game game plan will beat him now. Uh, we don't know if Moicano is anywhere near good enough. Um, but he also, Stevens, has also had a bit of a resurgence. You can see that his cardio is way better. So now instead of being dangerous for one and a half, he's dangerous for three. And as far as the wrestling goes, when I brought up the wrestling to you, I'm not saying that Steven just double legs this guy and, and you know, holds him down. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be chase him, chase him, cut it off, and then get under with the punch. But then after the punch, it's not going to be like uh, back off and let him out. It's going to be hold him there so you can punch him again. And as that pattern continues of hands on biceps, looking to come over the top with short elbows or looking to, to push off to give yourself enough space for an uppercut to come through that type of situation as that progresses and these guys slow down a little bit, that will turn into more holding. That will turn into where strength and experience matters. That will turn into Moicano losing time out of every round because his back is on the cage. I think that Jeremy Stevens wins this fight without knocking Moicano out. Do I think he can catch Moicano and knock him out? Fuck yeah, dude. He just head kicked Frankie Edgar. You know what I'm saying? Like, almost got him. Uh, head kicking Frankie Edgar is, is not easy. You know what I'm saying? This guy is all over the place. As far as footwork goes, you know, he's up, he's up there. He's up there. Um, you know, this could be a little bump your head on the ceiling moment, too, for Stevens. And, and Stevens, you know, the downward slope, that never comes back up is, is definitely coming. So it's not like, you know, there's no danger here. And it's not like I'm saying that Moicano can't win this fight. He can. He's a talented kid. Uh, he When he looks good, he, I, I see what you see. You know what I'm saying? But this is too deep too soon. This is too much of a, he's just bitten off more than he can chew here. This is too much experience to go against. This fight will make him better, and I think he even survives it. You know what I mean? But he's going to have to come up with other things that he does well besides keep range and pick and poke because uh, that's not going to get it done here. So I, I like Stevens uh, by decision or late stoppage. I have him parlayed with... I have Stevens with Dupinois. That's uh, two, well, two-point... Uh, 05 units at minus 102. Man, couldn't you just do Duke and Wah and Rashid so you can actually win, bro? That wasn't a good enough price. Sometimes you gotta pay a all, price to, all, for, to win, all man. Six, all six of my guys are gonna win. Six-team parlay, and he's my co-host. You know what I'm saying? Like, What does this world come to? All six of my guys are gonna win. You know, so... You talk about the experience, and you're 100% correct that Jeremy does have the experience edge. There's no debating that. But, I mean, look, 
Jeremy loses to every fucking good guy he fights. I mean, you know, it is what it is. And yeah, he beat Burrell, and he that was the best performance of his career. And I'm not going to discredit that win. But I mean, look, man, it, it's easier. Name to, a couple names. Name a couple names. What? Just name a couple names that have beat him. That have beat Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, all, all the champs beat him. But anyways, look, man. Wait, 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 wait. Who? All the champs. <laughs> Yeah, all the champs. We gonna throw Moicano in with them, or <laughs> maybe he's a future champ. But hold on here, but I gotta, I gotta, okay. I gotta make this Brown point real quick, bro. So look, right. he goes in there against Brown, and that's his best career performance. We can, we, we agree on that, right? Because I mean, he won twenty nine, twenty eight. This is the first time where he didn't have to come back and knock the guy out. Like he actually won a decision. But look, when you're fighting a five foot six bantamweight, your power is gonna translate a lot better than when you're fighting an actual featherweight. And Moicano's a not just a featherweight; he's a big featherweight, and he's a big featherweight that has the style that gives Jeremy Stevens problems. Now I understand, you know, everyone has to take that first loss. This could be his first L. I completely understand, but man, I can't ignore the style matchup here at all, man. I can't ignore volume versus you know one shot at a time and pray that that one shot lands. Now I understand Jeremy's gotten better in all aspects. For example, you watch the Frankie Edgar fight. And he got up for most of the takedowns until the third round. He, he got back up. You know what I'm saying? So he, he's a better version of what he's always been, but he's still Jeremy Stevens. You know, we're not you, – you're not going to expect Jeremy Stevens to go out there, establish his jab, you know, break the guy down with leg kicks, then mix it up top. Like that's, Jeremy Stevens is one shot at a time. Close your eyes and hope that the haymaker lands. And sometimes the haymaker does land. The dude's got crazy power, but – I got to take the more technical guy here. I got to take the volume. And, I, man, I'm, I'm just feeling the style of Moicano over, over Jeremy all day. So we're going to have That's to see. Fair, but he's supremely untested. I agree. I mean, look, it's true. I can't deny that, that Jeremy's fought the better competition. But Jeremy's lost to every good guy he's fought. Like it's not like he. It's not like Jeremy's out there beating these guys. He's lo- he's a five hundred fighter, man. The book is out there on how to beat him, and and Nato Moicano has the style to beat him. That's why I want to take that shot, man. I mean, you know what I mean? Because look, look, you look at a guy like Brian T. City Ortega. Look at the guys that he's beating. Yeah, I get that Diego Brandown, Clay Guida. They they have so much more experience. Look, Clay Guida's been in there with. Clay Guida beat RDA. Clay Guida beat Pettis. Clay Guida's beat fucking Nate Diaz. And Brian T. City had, what, two fights in the UFC? And he goes out there and knocks him out. I'm just saying that. Just because someone has more experience doesn't mean that they're automatically going to win the fight. It comes down to the style matchup as well. And I believe... That's, I mean, that's, that's absolutely valid. That's absolutely valid that, that Mortano could be good enough to be a guy who's good enough to be Jeremy Stevens. And he could be on a on a sharp upwards arc that we don't expect him to be on, or in, the, or in this case, you expect him to be on. That's completely true, because shit like that happens. But in, more than likely, in most cases, when there's this big of an experience gap, the guy with the experience wins. I, I'm not going to debate that. I mean, you're right. I mean, there's a reason I'm not going to max bet something like this. That, you know, I mean, two units and... I'm really feeling the style matchup on this one, and that's all there is to it. If he gets caught with a big shot, I take my L like a man. It's, that's that's all there is to it, Sean. But man, I'm feeling that volume over that one that one shot. Fair enough, man. Fair enough, because that can absolutely happen. Indeed, and it's just not gonna. <laughs> 
But you know what? If I'm going to be wrong about that, I hope I'm at least right about this because we got Ronaldo Jacare Souza. He's minus 230. The comeback on Robert the Reaper Whitaker is plus 190. Now, Sean, you already know I took that three-unit shot on Robert Whitaker at plus 205. Now, whenever people tell me that I'm crazy for betting something or they say that you know, you're biased, you're a fanboy, you're this, you're that. I fucking love that shit, bro. I thrive on that shit. I love it when people tell me I'm crazy for playing something and they disagree with me. Because, dude, when people start agreeing with me and they're all like, man, I, I'm going to bet that too. I get fucking worried and nervous and shit, man. But now You've that... You've got to be super worried right now. <laughs> You've got to be real worried then. I'm, wor- I'm worried about something else here, man. What I'm worried about is this guy named Jacare getting on top of us. I mean, because look... Jacare on top of anyone is a legit game changer, and no one can deny that. I mean, that's all there is to say. So, you know, I can't max max bet a guy like Whitaker because I understand that Jacare on top is a game changer. But the fight starts on the feet, and I feel like there's such a significant advantage on the feet for Whitaker here. I feel like he's well. I don't feel like he's the younger guy. He is the younger guy. He's 12 years younger. But look, he's faster. He's more fluid. He's more agile. He's more powerful. Jacare's a you know, he's not as chinny as fucking Keith Jardine, but he's a little bit chinny, man. I mean, you know what I'm saying? What, what's the name of the dude that knocked him out a million years ago? Um, the dude that Saba Homasi recently knocked out? Um, Patino. Dude, fucking Patino knocked out Jacare back in the day, and obviously Yoel Romero spinning backfisted him. So the dude can be dropped, and, you know, some people say that Tim Bosch yeah. rocked him. I'm yeah, not- Oh, yeah, Musasi knocked him out, too. Now, the thing is, man, you know, people say Tim Bosch rocked him. I'm not quite sure about that. If that really happened, yeah, Tim Bosch landed a shot. But it's not – Tim Bosch didn't really rock him. And he didn't rock him the way that Robert Whitaker is about to rock him. Now, you know, Robert Whitaker has a 94% takedown defense, Sean. Now, people are going to be like, oh, but who's he defended takedowns against? And I was like, yeah, you know, it was against Derek Brunson. But, look, here's my thing. The technique he displayed while defending those takedowns, Reminded me of a Jose Aldo. And I believe that Jose Aldo has the best takedown defense in UFC history. And the technique that Robert Whitaker showed reminded me of Jose Aldo, man. I mean, one thing that Whitaker's really got going for him is that he's a real athlete. So right away, I mean, his reaction time is on point, And he shows the proper technique when he's defending the takedowns. He pushes down on the head. He swims in for the double underhooks. He pulls his leg out. He turns the corner. And then he starts to bomb on you. You know what I mean? It really reminds me of Jose Aldo. And... That makes me smile, man, because with a guy like Jacare, dude, he's going to be shooting halfway across the octagon. We're going to sprawl on this guy. We're going to get out of there. And I'm not sure if there's going to be a moment, you know, like with Amir Khani where, you know, after so many takedown attempts where he's down on one knee kind of looking at him like, fuck, what do I got to do? Because I do believe Jacare is a super mentally tough guy. And the only proof I need of that is the Yoel Romero fight where he gets dropped with a spinning back fist. He's wobbling to his corner between rounds. And then he goes out there and tries to win in the next round. So Jacare is a very tough guy. I'm not debating that one bit. And also, I'm not debating what happens if Jacare gets on top. What I am debating is that Jacare won't get on top. That's what I'm saying here. I'm saying that Whitaker is going to stop those takedowns, and he's going to make, he's going to, he's going to give him a hell of a night on the feet, man. You know what I'm saying? Now, the thing I love about Whitaker's stand-up is that he bounces around like a karate guy. But he's got the hands of a boxer. Man, and I fucking love that combination because 
my biggest complaint with a lot of these karate guys is like, man, they got their hands down and, you know, with the right guy, they're, they're going to get tagged hard. But with Whitaker, you don't really got to worry about that, man. I mean, the dude's got the dude's head movements on point, establishes his jab, and he can mix it up too. I mean, you watch that fight with Uriah Hall. First 10 seconds, he's, tra he's bombing on him trying to get him out of there. Then you watch a fight, you know, between him and Rafael Natal. And, uh, man, he, he showed me that he can pick someone apart for three rounds too. And if he didn't get the finish, he wasn't getting, you know, discouraged or anything like that. Now people are going to be like, well, why didn't he finish a guy like Rafael Natal? And it's like, dude, he was, he, he, he was dropping him all over the place. <laughs> he, he fucking embarrassed Rafael Natal. So to me, it was just a disciplined performance. And he beat him up to the point where Tim Bosch only needed a minute to take out the, you know, the remains. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Tim, uh, Tim Bosch took out the... Took out the trash is basically what happened there. You know, what and I'm he saying? broke his hand. I mean, that's the real reason he didn't finish him. Yeah, yeah, he you broke, he broke his like, hand. He broke but, his but man, I watched that fight the other day, and he was dropping him all over the place. He put a clinic on Rafael Natal. I mean, it was very impressive. It showed me he can go three rounds and not get discouraged if he doesn't knock the guy out, and he's able to push that hard pace all three. He doesn't get tired. And then the fight with Derek Brunson, he showed me he can weather the storm of storms because Derek Brunson came out on a fucking suicide mission, man. Now, I've only faded Jacare two times. This is about to be the third time. I'm one and one fading Jacare. I lost when I faded him against Musasi, and I won when I faded him against Yoel Romero. And I'm planning on making it a second win in a row here when I fade him against uh, Robert Whitaker. And I think that Robert Whitaker is going to go out there, knock out the great Jacare Souza, and get that title shot after... Uh, after Yoel gets his, you know what I mean? It's a, there, there's a bit of a line. There's a bit of a cue here. But Robert Whitaker is going to punch his ticket to that line, man. And I think the way to do that is to knock out Jacare. And that's what's going to happen here. So three units, Robert Whitaker, plus 205. Let's get it. Uh, I agree with you, man. And, and I don't have a bet on this fight yet. I'll explain why at the end. But the things that I've always thought about Jacare is that he's chinny. And that his defense standing up shit. Um, I've always thought those things, I don't think those things have, have ever gotten better. His striking, uh, both technique, speed, and power have all seemed like to, to have gotten better, which is a pretty big fucking deal. And throughout doing that, as demonstrated in his fight, it looks like his jiu-jitsu did not fall by the wayside. It does not look like he's the kind of guy who has decided he's not a jiu-jitsu guy anymore, and he's decided he's only a striker. He's more than willing and definitely wanting to get you on the ground to hurt you really badly. Um, you know, Jacare is super good. He's top of the division. He's, he's everything that he's received. He's deserved. He definitely has those two holes though, in, in my opinion. Uh, and they're, they're pretty big holes, especially in this fight where, you know, they're, they're the other guy's strongest uh, weapons. Like, the things that I've always thought about Robert Whitaker is that he's, he's special, especially his hands, uh, his attitude, um, his, his mentality. He, he's just, you know what I'm saying? You never, you never see him back up. You never he's a see fighter. Him. Yeah, he's got it, man. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know what the ceiling is, really. I know that me and you have been calling him the dark horse in this division for, like, fucking two years at least. It's been a long time that we've been on this guy's dick. You know what I mean? And it's 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 well deserved. It's there, and and it, it maybe hasn't one hundred percent played out yet. But you know, you can watch his fights and understand that he's a great fucking dynamic puncher, uh, both on the lead and on the counter. 
you can watch his fights and understand that his feet are great, uh, backing up and, and being able to punch for power at the same time as far as, and closing the distance super fast. Uh, real kicks, not some bullshit kicks to set up only hands. You know what I'm saying? Like real kicks that he can crush you with. Uh, maybe early we thought he had chin problems. That was a weight class, a weight class problem that wasn't a chin problem. We've seen it. We've seen Uriah Hall uh, land something on him that would have decapitated just about anybody else, and he ate it like it didn't happen. Um, you know, this guy is, is pretty tested and pretty strong, and it seems like the kind of guy to me that's going to seize this moment. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying Jacare is overlooking him, but Jacare and Jacare's management team, what the fuck are you taking this fight for? What are you taking this fight for? You're taking a super game. This is nothing. This is the thing that nobody ever does, okay? And, and sometimes you want to be like, congrats for doing this, dude. But in reality, you should be like, never do this. Never take an unheralded super guy, a super dangerous guy when you're in line for a title shot. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look like shit against him, everybody's going to be like, yeah, but you look like shit against Robert Whitaker. I don't know if you need to be next in, the, in line for that. So you beat him, but you didn't look great because you're not going to look great against him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can take him down and sub him. Okay, we get it. But if this plays out as a real fight, you're going to get beat up at least a little bit. That's bad for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, he can knock you the fuck out. That's definitely bad for you. And there's not enough name value there to, to risk everything that you're risking here. That's a terrible move by the people who, you know, are, are behind the scenes with Jacare. Sean, anyway, you know what? I, you know, sorry to interrupt. You know what I think it is, man? I think that they view it as it's another Tim Bosch, it's another Ed Herman, it's another Chris Camozzi. That's what I'm saying. And that's like, where they're making a fucking huge mistake. Does Jacare think that Robert Whitaker is a stay busy fight? Yeah. That's really <laughs> That's really stupid. This is the last fight on, on Jacare's contract, and he thinks he's about to get an easy win here. You're fucking stupid. You're you're dumb. You're dumb. Uh, okay, but like, uh, see, I can sit here and go, you're so stupid for thinking that, and then 45 seconds into this, he could be mounted, and then who's stupid? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, that can fucking happen. So I understand it, but please don't come into this fight expecting this is a stay-busy fight. That's a that's a huge mistake because I can guarantee you that this is a Super Bowl for Robert Whitaker. You know what I mean? Like this guy's coming in to beat you and to beat you badly because he wants that belt. Uh, this is a great way for him to get it is to knock you the fuck out. Um, I think that Robert Whitaker is going to win this fight. The reason why I did not bet Rob, Robert Whitaker to win this fight is because depending on the line. I think that him winning inside the distance is a better bet. And depending on the line, I think this fight not going the distance could be a better bet. I'm going to wait and look at both of those. I'm not going to get as good of a number as you got on Whitaker, obviously. Uh, but I, I'm okay with that because if it's like, I need to see what that inside the distance number is. Um, Plus 190 is good too, though, man. Yeah. Say that again. Plus 190 is good too. It is, yeah, and I'd be fine. I'd be fine with taking it. I'll I'll play that for two units if that's it. I'm having a bet on this fight. I will play it for two units if that's what it's going to end up being. It's, it's straight, but I really feel like uh, a shorter bet on uh, inside the distance, basically on on Whitaker knocking him out. But I only play inside the distance. 
um, that's that's what I want. I think if this fight goes the distance, it's probably because Robert Whitaker is fighting off submission attempts. Um, and no matter what I think about Robert Whitaker and how high I am on Robert Whitaker, what I don't know is if he can handle anything close to the top game of Jacare. Nobody knows that. We don't know that. We do know that basically nobody can handle the top game of Jacare. You know what I'm saying? There's a couple people who can squirt out of it or survive it when he's tired. You know what I mean? But uh, is anybody going to be surprised if we're going to find out that uh, we got an Australian grappling game that's not really up to par <laughs> with a Jacare grappling game? You know I'm saying that's not that's not crazy. So that's the kind of thing that makes me want to stay away from more units and then try to pinpoint it down to a specific prop. That's what I'm going to try to do. But uh, regardless of all the betting semantics, I think that Robert Whitaker's going to win this fight. I think he's going to win it by knockout. I think he will stuff some takedowns. I think he'll have Jacare coming in from too far away, and he'll walk him into something. And I don't think that Jacare can take a clean left from Robert Whitaker. So, yeah, Robert Whitaker win this fight. KO, round two. Man, I love this kid's mindset. I mean, he wants it so badly. There's no, you know, there's no, like, Rumble Johnson or, like, oh, now I'm going to go to the NFL, now I'm going to go Hollywood. There's none of that. Robert Whitaker's goal is not just to be the champion. He wants to be the greatest ever. I don't know if you saw the countdown, but, dude, the guy is super focused. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. And, man, I'm champing at the bit for this one, Sean. I really think that it's going to open a lot of eyes because I, I, I don't think that people quite understand the level that Robert Whitaker's at. I don't think they understand what he brings to the table. I think people just think, oh, he's just another striker, but he's not just another striker. There's something special yeah, about this some... kid that we've seen for a long time, and now it's going to come to fruition when he goes out there and knocks out the great Jacare Souza. So I'm very pumped about this, Sean. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It is indeed. <clears throat> unless unless it's not fun. Oh, man, unless, <laughs> unless Jacare gets on top. Jesus. Jacare on top. Oh man, don't get don't get on top. Don't get on top, Ronaldo. But anyways, man, the co-main event of the evening. We got Rose Namajunas. She's minus one forty-two, and the comeback on Michelle, the Karate Hottie Watterson is plus one twenty-one. And uh, I mean, Sean, you know how I feel about Rose Namajunas, man. I think (laughs) I think she's a front runner. I think she's mentally weak. I think she's got some cool sidekicks and maybe maybe a cool flying armbar and this and that. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, when it comes down to, to getting dirty and getting into a real fight, I don't think she th- she thrives in that kind of situation. And that's why I always look to fade Rose Namajunas. In my opinion, even though I lost the bet, you know, the Tisha Torres one, man, I thought Tisha won that fight. But you know what? Controversial decisions happen, whatever. But I was still on to something. And then, and then I obviously faded her against Carolina, again, plus 215. And, man, I mean, you know, first round, Rose is doing her thing, right? But then she faces a little bit of adversity. She takes a couple of knees in the clinch, and she stops fighting completely. So I love that when I'm looking to bet against someone. And with Michelle Watterson, you know, it's funny because when I was watching the tape, when I was watching the Invicta fights, I was like, man, she's fucking way too small for someone like Rose. You know what I'm saying? But then you actually watch her career progression when she switched weight classes, and now she has put on size. She does look like a straw weight, and uh, I believe she's, I mean, look, we know her techniques on point. I mean, it's the karate hottie, man. She, she's, she's technical. We, we know all that, but what I really care about most is the mentality here, and if we say that they're both 
You know, they, they both got the same skill level. Who's the tougher one out of the two? Michelle Waterson's 10 times hot. <laughs> well, I was about to say 10 times hotter. That's true. This is true. But what I meant to say, Sean, is that she's 10 times tougher. And that's all I care about. You know what I'm saying? When I'm trying to bet someone. So I'm for sure taking the shot on Waterson. I think that she simply wants it more. I mean, I've heard Rose in interviews saying shit like, you know, she feels like she doesn't have a purpose. And I mean, dude, Rose is so mentally weak. I'm just like, I can't fuck with her at all, man. And also another thing. You know, it, it, you know how we were talking about Shane Burgos, but we were kind of joking. You know, we were like, you know, if he has a shaved head with a ponytail, what what kinds of other decisions is he gonna make, right? But I, I was just joking about okay. that. Well, I'm not joking about when I say that Pat Barry is 37 years old and Rose Namajunas is 24 years old, and they started dating 10 years ago. How come no one talks about that, Sean? You know what I'm saying? People might be like, oh, that has nothing to do with the fight. I, actually, I, I think it might because I mean, like. So there's something mentally off with her. You know what I mean? Like, it, dude, okay, I'm 27 years old right now, right, Sean? So, like, that's the age that Pat Barry started dating her. Like, dude, like, I, I don't even want to fucking see a 20-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be 21 and up. And even then, man, I'm, I'm carding. I'm asking for ID, bro. Like, I need proof. And this dude is 27 years old dating a 14-year-old. You know you know what I'm saying, Sean? And, and then you see the mental... Are you saying that, like, that somebody in your life... Who, who wants to assert some kind of control on you and you kind of show this thing where you can be controlled by that person even though you might not want to because obviously if you're dating somebody who's 14 and they're in their mid-20s, it's a little Late weird. Late 20s. And perhaps I that mean, could uh, not only... be equal to a fighter controlling you when you don't want to be controlled by the fighter. I mean, not only that, not only that, Sean, but it means that she makes questionable decisions, not just outside the octagon, but inside the octagon as well. And when you're making those kind of questionable decisions, you have those mental lapses. I want nothing to do with you except to bet against you. And right now, the UFC, I mean, it's pretty fucking clear what they want with this matchup. It's pretty damn clear. They want Michelle Watterson to win this fight. I mean... Is Rose Namajunas the one doing the, you know, the press luncheons? You know what I'm saying? She ain't getting no media luncheons. It's Michelle Watterson that's doing the, the press luncheons. You know what I'm saying? Like, like she's got cameras in her face and she's eating lunch with the media. Like, that means that they want Michelle to win. That means that they're bringing in Rose to lose. And they know something that a lot of people don't know. Something that you and I probably know. And that's that, you know, this is a spot where there, there is a lot of pressure on Michelle. I, I agree with that. But it's a spot where she can totally take advantage of the situation and use Rose Namajunas as a stepping stone to get the title shot against uh, the Jessica versus Joanna winner. And I truly believe that's what's going to happen. Now, stylistically, obviously, we got to break that down. So I mentioned how they might have similar skill sets in terms of techniques, even though I, I, I think Karate Hadi is more technical. But let's just say the skill set is even. I think the mental side of things is what's going to take over here. I think that Karate Hadi is so much tougher. I know she had that one slip-up in Invicta, but, I mean, look, you get caught with a nice guillotine. It is what it is. I think she's learned from that. She's grown, and I think she's going to get the victory here, Sean. Unanimous decision. And I'm going to put two units on it, too. Two units? A chick. I know. Crazy, right? But, hey, last time it worked, man. The last time was 1.5. Now, now I'm up in the stakes, man. Let's do it. I let like like us let I mean you. <laughs> <laughs> you do it, and I'll root for you. Yes, sir. I mean, if I'm watching it, right? I won't. Be. Yeah. Is that your breakdown? Oh no, my breakdown is that I know who could beat both these girls. You know who could beat them both? 
Joanna and Jessica. No, King Kong. Because I saw King Kong last Sunday, and King Kong is huge. It is CGI is very good. The movie itself, not that great. A little slow. You know what I'm saying? Like, fun, but, you know, some stereotypical shit. But what really comes down to it, which is King Kong fighting monsters, that part's super fun. So go see that and keep in mind that King Kong can beat up either of these chicks. So that said, who you got? Um, I'll take Waterston as well. I think, you know, uh, perhaps the, the, like, the stretches that we're making with the with the dating Pat Barry and stuff like that. It's like, not a stretch, man. I've been saying that for like the not, last three years. You know? <laughs> that's not, that's not bullshit. Angles like that are not bullshit. That stuff actually is real. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that get, you get a win because you know this. I'm just saying that stuff is real. If you see Instagram got pictures of a guy who's, you know, very into partying and he's going to be at home fighting a really disciplined, tough guy, that fucking, that matters. This is this guy's real life that's unrelated to fighting, his personality type playing out in a cage versus another guy. Like, that stuff matters. It happens. You should be watching it. You should be paying attention to it. And the idea that you brought up, uh, while seemingly unrelated, is completely related, makes a ton of sense, and then if you stick around long enough and watch shit like that happen, you'll understand why it does make sense. So Daniel's right with that. When, when people are fucking up their normal lives all the time and you see them, you know what I'm saying, like go up against something strong, something like adversity in the cage and, and not make it past or kind of give up, those two things are the same thing. No doubt. Oh, uh, dude, I got another example for you. So once she fought Carolina, it was actually in Atlanta, right? So I was there, you know, and, and my boy Mike Biggie Rhodes was cornering T. Wood. So the MMA genius and I hung out with Biggie a little bit at the hotel. And Rose was there, and, you know, she had her dog with her. And, you know what I'm saying? She's got an emotional support dog. You know those dogs that, like, they wear, like, the vest and shit? And, like, look. Really? Yeah, she had an emotional support dog. Look, I love dogs, and honestly, if... For normal people, hey, man, if that's what you need, I'm not talking any shit because, look, we all go through things. We all handle things differently, and, and dogs are amazing. They're great. They're a great comforter. They're great supporters. I totally get it. But, Sean, when you fight in the UFC's octagon, you're a fucking warrior. You're a gladiator. You don't have an emotional support dog when you fight in the UFC's octagon, man. So, I mean, that to me, it's like it's not mentally weak to have an emotional support dog for a regular person. But for a gladiator, a warrior, you know what I'm saying, Sean? I'm just like, I just can't fuck with her, bro. It's a problem. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Seriously? I'm 100%. Was it like a little yippy dog? Yeah, it's a little little fucking dog with with the vest, and it's just like, like, and like she's walking around the lobby with it without a leash, and it's just like, oh my God, bro. Like, and, like, you oh, could tell no. she's, like, clearly, like, she, like, walked up to, like, the front desk, like, ten times in a row just so people could see her with her dog type thing. You know what I'm saying, Sean? It was like that. <laughs> I hope I hope Pat Barry gets mad at her and, like, kicks her dog. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, son. And everyone listening, look, I love dogs. You know I got three German Shepherds. But, I mean, look, man. Emotional support dog when you're a gladiator, when you're a warrior, when you're a UFC fighter. I just, you know what I'm saying? There's a reason some people are mentally stronger than others. I, 
You know, I don't, I don't think Michelle Watterson is going to be having any of that, man. So I got her with this UD, and I hope she comes through. I hope she proves me right, man. So let's go, Michelle. I mean, look, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, and she's being set up to win. I mean, the UFC clearly want her to win. So I hope she seizes the moment. I mean, as far as the interviews are concerned, man, she sounds focused as hell. I mean, she's fighting with a purpose. She knows why she's there, and she wants to be there. Rose, like you know, like I said, she she's like, uh, you know, I'm trying to find out my purpose, and Rose is kind of going through the motions, and I know Rose is kind of young, but there's one thing when you have your regular age, and there's another thing when you have your fight years age, and not saying that she's over the hill or anything, but she already fought for the title and lost, and that's a big deal in a fighter's career. You know how it's about climbing that mountain. You know, if you, if you, if you push a boulder over a mountain, Sean, and then once it gets to the top, it starts going down, tell me what's tougher, Sean to push it up initially up the mountain or once it's already over the hill and it's going down to run back down and push it up again. You know it's much harder to run back down and push it up again, right, Sean? So I feel like That's it's right. that situation and we're going to be... Bump your head on the ceiling, my friend. Yeah, and I could keep beating a dead horse, but I think you guys know where I'm going with this. So let's get down to the main event, Sean, because we got Demetrius... Mighty Mouse Johnson, he's minus 850. The comeback on Wilson Hayes is plus 575. Now, it's kind of interesting to see money coming in on Wilson Hayes at this price. I said I would take the one-unit shot at plus 800. It's currently plus 575, so it's not quite where I want it to take that shot. I mean, look, DJ's <laughs> he's better everywhere, man. And, and not only that, he's a better athlete, too. I mean, but I like Wilson Hayes a lot, man. He's a really strong guy. And you remember that performance he had against Dustin Ortiz where he totally grown-manned him? Like, that was, like, the first time yeah. where I was like, man, you know, this guy's a title contender. This guy's really coming into his own. Because, you know, back in the day, he was always criticized for his cardio issues, his chin issues. I know he's been knocked out a couple times, but I got to tell you what, man. He's strung together a couple really good wins, and he's looking the best he's ever looked. And the way he manhandled Dustin Ortiz, I was like, damn, bro. Like, that, that was a serious performance. So, since every other breakdown show you're going to hear is going to talk about how Demetrius Johnson's going to kill Wilson Hayes... Why don't I? Why don't I sit here and try to make a case for Wilson? Even though I, I think DJ is probably going to win. I mean, he's a minus eight fifty favorite for a reason. I'm not going to bore you guys with the same bullshit. So let's let's make a case for Wilson. If Wilson was to win this fight, man, I think the way he'd have to do it is so obviously he's the slower guy, right? So we're not going to outspeed Demetrius. I think the way we got to beat him, if Wilson's going to do this, he's got to use his size. He's got to push him up against the fence. He's got to try. He's got to try to zap the power, excuse me, zap the speed of Demetrius Johnson. Dude, as I'm saying this, like, I'm not even believing it. As I'm saying this, I'm like, <laughs> man, this shit's, this shit's impossible, bro. But, uh, oh, yeah. that's what he's got to do. He's got to carry a knife in his trunks into the cage. <laughs> I mean, look, man, he's got to land the perfect body kick like he did against Scott Jorgensen. He's got to push him up against the fence like he did against Dustin Ortiz. Hope that maybe Demetrius shoots for a sloppy takedown. Maybe he can get in a similar situation that Tim Elliott got into last time where Tim Elliott almost you know, got him in the guillotine and then he switched to a Darce. Maybe, maybe uh, Wilson Hayes can do something like that. Maybe if he gets him in that situation, maybe he can take the back from there. I mean, this is... These are the situations where Wilson can win the fight. But obviously we think DJ is going to win. But look, how cool would it be if Wilson won? Because, man, like we were talking about earlier, you know, Anderson Silva, he had a, he had a grind to get those 10 title defenses. And it's really 11, but Travis Luter missed weight. And, you know, DJ, he's had a grind too. I'm not going to discredit his hard work. He's an unbelievable fighter. He's 
one of the best of all time. But, you know, when you're defending your title against Chris Carriasso, Tim Elliott, I'm just like, man, I don't want to say he doesn't deserve to, to tie Anderson's record because if he wins, he absolutely does deserve to do it because he's fucking winning. So it's just, I guess, as a fan, you know, since I'm not betting on this fight, I, I'm putting on my fan cap and, and trying to be like, man, I, I only want Anderson to, to have that record. Because remember when Anderson lost to Chris Weidman the first time and Anderson's son was like, you know, it, it's going to take, you know, over 10 years for someone to, to break Anderson's record. And I truly believe that. But I feel like, you know, DJ's just been fighting such easy competition. Not, you know, not not Joseph Benavidez, not Henry Cejudo. Those guys, Kyoji Horiguchi, those are tough guys. But these other guys, these Chris Carriasso and Tim Elliott guys, yeah, Tim Elliott's a tough guy, but look, he's 2-5 and five in the UFC. Chris Carriasso, who the fuck is that guy? You know what I'm saying? So I, I hope Wilson Hayes finds the <laughs> that second gear to get this done. But, uh, you know, it's minus 850 for a reason, Sean. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. DJ is in this position because he did that to the division. You know, he, he cleaned it out. He, he made it. So Wilson Hayes was the next guy. Because uh, he destroyed everybody else, and in some cases he destroyed them twice. Um, you know he's a machine. He's the best fighter in the sport. Uh, everybody has to fall off that pedestal, though, sooner or later. And and we've been talking about that for a while. Is that somebody is going to beat DJ, and it's not going to be the person who you think has a chance to beat DJ. It's going to be some weird situation where you know that his head wasn't at, you know, in retrospect, you're going to be like, DJ's head wasn't in it. In the rematch, he's going to crush him. You know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he, he lost. I get it. Um, that, you know, that could happen. That could happen with anybody at any time. And it's not really something that makes you a bet, though, unfortunately. Um, you know, it, it'd be a little bit more enticing if Wilson Hayes wasn't so much of a a known commodity. Like we've seen this guy's entire career and it's been a long one. The things that he can do is basically squash and, and, and hold an advantageous position and, and work for a sub. He's definitely strong and he can definitely take DJ and mash him to the ground and, and, you know, kind of float and wait, wait for DJ to get up and then grab something in there. That can happen. Uh, striking wise, in my opinion, he's just, he's got dick for, for DJ. He's just got nothing. And on top of that, striking wise, um, he's not good. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, and I'm not just talking about his chance. Just, let's just talk about his offense. There's nothing going on there. You know what I'm saying? Like it, he, he's another one foot in front of the other while he's punching type guy on uh, the body kicks. Are, are definitely snappy. I'll give him that. He probably carries a little bit of power, but he's basically wild and his balance is terrible. Uh, his defense is not great. And basically everybody who fights him hurts him. You know, it's, it's just the striking is just a humongous, humongous gap. I don't know if that makes DJ get a finish or if the under is worth looking at because of things like that, because we know how that goes. But the striking gap is fucking outrageous the speed gap is ridiculous it's, Wilson Hayes has to smash and use power and do it early because he does not have the cardio to go five you know what I'm saying his cardio has gotten better but can he fight a DJ pace for five no definitely not no that's not gonna that's not gonna happen if he goes five it's because he's on the bottom 
you know, surviving. That's why this goes five, uh, which, you know, com- completely possible. Not even uh, more than possible. Likely. You know what I'm saying? Likely. Um, yeah. I- I'd love to look for that, that weirdo, crazy underdog shot, but this guy is not the guy. We know, we know who he is. We know what his deficits are, and they're going to get exploited here. So uh, I don't see any angles in this fight. Matter of fact, that I like. I, I like nothing about it. Uh, DJ decision. Man, and it's funny you say uh, DJ decision because, like I mentioned earlier, you know, with these DJ fights, since they're always like minus 850, minus 1000, this and that, you look for the under, the inside, the distance. And then I get burned on those so many times that it's like, you know, I'm just going to stay away, man, and look for my time to finally fade him when he fights a guy like Ray Borg or Sergio Pettis or something like that. But yeah, be very careful when you're betting on a DJ inside the distance. But Sean, Let's just go through these prelims really quick. Let, you know what I mean? Like, let's not take forever on them. But, look, we got Zach Cummings. He's minus 410. Nathan Coy is plus 290. And, you know, Sean, when you get an F on a test, there's there's a big range, you know, in that F. For example, you can get a 69 on the test, and that's an F. But you can also get a 25, and that's also an F. And they're different levels. The 69 is better than the 25, but they're both Fs, right, Sean? Well, here between Zach Cummings and Nathan Coy, they're both absolute jobbers. It's just that Zach Cummings is a solid jobber and Nathan Coy is a bottom-of-the-barrel jobber. So I think Zach Cummings being the bigger, stronger guy that he is, even though Nathan Coy is a decent wrestler, I see Zach Cummings uh, doing what Zach Cummings does and being the bigger, stronger guy, making it dirty and making it ugly, whether he finishes him with a submission, whether he wins a 30-27. I got the minus 410 favorite here. Yeah, I've got Cummings in a parlay uh, with Sterling that's 2.07 units, minus 103. Uh, I like Cummings a lot here. Here's the thing about Cummings. He's a, he's a step above a jobber, really. Um, the things that he wants to do to you, you have to be able to do Santiago Ponzinibbio things to stop that from happening to you. Nathan Coy has none of those things, will not stop that from happening to him. He will get tracked down and beaten up. So I like uh, Cummings inside the distance. Andrew Sanchez is minus 300. Anthony Lionheart Smith is plus 220. Now, both these guys are very chinny. However, Anthony Smith has been knocked out like six times. And, you know, but I'll tell you what, offensively speaking, Anthony Smith is actually fun to watch. You know, he walks you down. He kind of has that Tim Mean style where he walks you down, and he hand fights, straight punches down the pipe. But the defensive issues are so bad, man. And. Obviously, you, you recall the third round of the Laleco fight. I mean, I can never forget that. With Andrew Sanchez, he's also chinny. Kevin Casey knocked this guy out. But I'll tell you what, he's made a lot of improvements since. He's a very tough-nosed grinder. And his last fight, man, he actually showed some fancy kicks, man. He had a little taekwondo going there. I was like, oh, so he's not just a grinder. But in this fight, I think he'll go back to his grinding roots. And I got the minus 300 favorite grinding out Anthony Smith. Um... You know, I, I was looking to, to bet this fight. Uh, the number wasn't what I wanted, so I, I skipped it. Uh, Anthony Smith, a tough guy, dangerous early. Uh, basically, this fight is, is Road A. Uh, Sanchez uh, gets backed up early in the fight, gets caught with something, gets knocked out. Uh, road B, and, the, and the prob- what's going to happen, in my opinion, is Anthony Smith comes forward, hits Sanchez, doesn't get rid of him. His cardio totally shits the bed. 
and Sanchez grinds him for the next two rounds and wins the decision. So that's where I see this going. I think Anthony Smith's cardio is, uh, you know, always a big letdown. And if he's on the bottom the whole time, it's, it's going to be that much worse. So Sanchez. Jake Collier is a plus 105 dog, and Devin Clark is minus 145. Now, I've actually bet on Jake Collier and all his UFC fights, so I'm 2-2. Two and two. I know what the problems are with him. The problems are is that he gets off to a really dominant start, and sometimes he'll just randomly shit the bed. I mean, you call you recall the Vitor Miranda fight. He absolutely dominated him, and then with 10 seconds left in the round, he gets head kicked, knocked out. You recall the Dongi Yang fight. He's dominating the guy, and then second round comes around, he's shooting for sloppy takedowns, he gets pounded out. So those are the issues with him. But then when he actually wins fights, you know, the Ricardo Abreu fight, stood up and banged for three straight rounds, had the better shots there, and also the fight against Uda, had a very nice highlight reel finish with the spinning back kick. So he's capable of finishing fights. He's capable of being finished. And also, Devin Clark, he's capable of being finished as well, as you saw in his UFC debut against Alex Nicholson. But then in his return fight, he got back to his grinding roots. So I don't know, man. It's a really tough one to call. I'm going to go with Jay Collier. But, I mean, you know, there's a reason I'm not betting this fight, Sean. But I'll say that Jay Collier, you know, stuffs the takedowns and gets the better of the shots on the feet. Um, I always, uh, bet Jay Collier too. And I, I usually went on Jay Collier. I like him. Um, and I'm also not betting him. It's, it's because Devin Clark, uh, you know, at his fastest and most explosive, if he lands, he'll probably hurt and, and get rid of Jay Collier, or at least beat him up to the point where Jay Collier doesn't have enough to come back. If Devin Clark doesn't do enough early damage and let, Jake Collier stick around. Jake Collier can out-tough him, probably beat him up late, and win this fight. But I am not seeing enough on either side to actually put money into it, but the pick would be Collier. All right, well, Sean, before we get out of here, the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Sean Carey Tattoo, what is the fight to watch for UFC Kansas City? Uh, the fight to watch is, is super wild. I want to see what they want to happen, happen. I want him to come out and look like a world beater and, and crush somebody that, that hardcores know is terrible, that, but, but that more casual people don't, and they get psyched up about this kid, and they want to watch him more, and they're interested in the next time he fights, and then more people watch. That's, that's what we're looking for. That's what the UFC is trying to do. And, you know, I'm not immune to it. If, if you give me a young hat prospect and give him a fucking sheep and he fucking executes the sheep and eats it i'm gonna be pumped too and i'm gonna want to see him too so like yes that's what i want to happen i want duke and want to live up to the hype so watch that fight uh if he doesn't live up to the hype it's probably because patrick williams knocks him the fuck out so that's fun too either way something weird is going to happen like you said earlier so as far as entertainment value that's the one my fight to watch is Robert Whitaker versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza. I mean, this is the opportunity of a lifetime for Robert Whitaker. I mean, he's literally worked his entire life to get a shot against this top five guy. If he wins this, like I said, he's going to be next in line for a title shot. You know, after Yoel, right? He's going he's gonna to put his place in the queue. Let's just put it like that. I know there's a bit of a logjam, but and, and then with Jacare, if he wins, I mean, the dude's already kind of in line. You know, he's also behind Yoel. So the winner of this fight is going to stand right behind Yoel for one of these next title shots that's eventually going to happen, right, Sean? So that's my fight to watch. Who's your fighter to watch, man? If 
fighter to watch is going to be Robert Whitaker. This is his chance to, to you know, kind of uh, confirm everything that I and, and me and you have, have thought about him the whole time. So, you know, if he's going to show up, he needs to show up now. And this is a winnable fight for him. And if he wins, it's most likely because he's knocking Jacare out and knocking Jacare out. It's a big deal. Um, you know, on the other side of the coin, if he loses, it's not the end of the world. He's still very young. He's kind of expected to get subbed here. It's, you know, it's, it's not a terrible thing if he loses and, and, and learns something here. The thing that I'm more pumped about is, you know, in the 90s, there was this round robin of, of guys in the same weight class. It was like Dale Hoya, Trinidad, Vargas, Ike Corte, like a bunch of these really good guys floating around the same weight class. And we're on that verge in the middleweight division. You know what I'm saying? Like the top eight guys are pretty fucking good. And they could be switching off and fighting each other for the next couple of years, and it could be very entertaining. Even though that some of them are, you know, they're getting up there in years and they're on the way out, and some of them kind of young and maybe a little bit on the untested side, that's all going to switch around. Veterans are going to have veterans' performances. Young guys are going to get better, you know, like. Oh, yeah. The 85 division is, is awesome. And if, if Robert Whitaker shows up big here, it's even going to be better. Think of what the top five is like. Think of GSP being thrown back in that. He might look good. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. But Robert Whitaker, here's the time, man. This is it. This is the one. So go out there and get it done. Man, I love the current state of affairs in the middleweight division. I mean, obviously you got all the aging competitors like Chris Wyman, Yoel Romero, Jacare. And I say aging com- competitors with all due respect. These guys are amazing. But then you got the up-and-comers, Robert Whitaker, Christoph Jocko, Kelvin Gastelum. I'm very excited about what's going on at 185 pounds. And Sean, no surprise, my fighter to watch is also Robert the Reaper Whitaker. Look, man, I mean, he's the dark horse of the middleweight division. And not only that, this is one of those plays where people are telling me I'm stupid. People are telling me that I'm crazy, you know. But uh, I'm not crazy, and I think Robert Whitaker is destined to be the champion, baby. And, uh, man, when he knocks out uh, Jacare, it's going to open a lot of eyes. Now, obviously, Jacare gets on top of him. You know, we already know what to expect. But, you know, you know, we talked about how, oh, it, it's, you know, it's uh, Rumble's time and this and that, and it, it turned out it really wasn't. Well, uh, oh yeah, I forgot we said that. Let's but, pretend we didn't say that. You know what? But look, look, look. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna right the wrong here because you know I said it was Rory's time the second time he fought Robbie. I said it was Rumble's time last week. Third time's about to be the charm, Sean, because this is Robert Whitaker's time, and he will defeat Jacare, and he will get a title shot. So for that reason, he is your fighter to watch. Now, Sean Carey, man, another fight card prediction in the books. This episode of Half the Battle is a wrap, and next week we're going to be previewing UFC Nashville. And if uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to see Sean Carey in person. That's right. I will be there. I'll be there rooting for Diego Sanchez for all I'm worth. Oof. That card's not good. Have you looked at it closely? Yeah, it, yeah, but don't tell me that, man. I'm the one making the drive. I know you're making the drive too, but uh, don't discourage me. I still want to see you, so... And you know what? I'm just going anyway, dude. I went to that Pittsburgh show. It, can't, it, it will be a hundred times better than that Pittsburgh show. 
You know what fight I'm pumped about, man? I'm pumped about this Mike Perry versus Jake Ellenberger fight because I, I know someone's getting knocked out, and I have a feeling I know who's getting knocked out. We're going to talk about that next week, but I, I'm really excited about that fight because I know those two are going to throw it out until one guy falls, and I know one of the guys is a head case and the other guy's, you know, a head case too. They're completely different kinds of head cases, but uh, I have a feeling there's not going to be much stalling in that one, Sean. No, I think that's going to be a short one. Indeed. And uh, that's a wrap. So for everyone tuning in, this Saturday it's going down, UFC on Fox. And as always, these Fox cards are always a bit earlier. So make sure you check your local listings, right, Sean? And uh, make sure you follow Sean Carey on Twitter at Sean Carey Tattoo. Make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can find my plays for free at bestfightpicks.com. Been fucking killing it as usual you know what i'm saying but yeah this has been a good year so far man i mean close to up to 30 units but listen man it doesn't stop here man quarter two starting now and you know we gotta we gotta carry the same momentum carry the same drive carry the same spirit and make shit happen again man can't rest on your laurels gotta keep putting in the work and that's exactly what we plan on doing so make sure you subscribe to half the battle on itunes soundcloud youtube and stitcher leave us that five-star review And until the next time, let's cash these bets.